This episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which I was lucky enough to head out to Barcelona and see being unveiled at its launch and to chat to athletes like Sharon Nakidi, who won the New York Marathon a few years ago, who does all of her easy and steady runs in this pair of shoes. And then we've set Jess from The Running Channel a very specific challenge to train for 12 weeks for her fastest, hopefully, ever 10K, which is also back out in Barcelona. Yeah, she is loving training in this shoe. And I think it's important as well because we're so lucky we get to test lots of different shoes. But we do know that some people just want that one pair that will do everything. So Jess has been doing her long runs, interval sessions, and she will be tackling the final 10K in the Under Armour Infinite Elite shoes. Yeah, big focus on endurance and a brand new foam, which provides extra energy return and looks after you on even your longest runs. So if you want to know more, head to the link in the show notes. This is the Running Channel podcast, a very special live episode from the World Championships out in Budapest as guests of New Balance. And being back in this environment is why I'm incredibly nervous and I've already done this introduction at least once. Oh, so. keep calm, Andy. Don't <laughs> panic, you old flannel. <laughs> I'm doing my best not to panic. Thanks very much. Yeah, we have a live audience here, some of whom might not have seen this before. So this is normal. Basically, I get all of the stick. Um, but. More excitingly today, we've also got access to two incredible New Balance athletes, Jake Whiteman, the 2022 world champion over 1500 meters, and also Kieran McGean, who has just finished fourth in this year's edition of the World Championships, also over 1500 meters in an Irish record. So obviously 1500 meters is the best distance. So yeah. I'm more excited than I've ever been in my life. So <laughs> we should probably just get stuck in. Let's do it. Okay, so we're in Budapest. This Ooh. is sort of like the old days for me, but very different for you guys. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you say we're in Budapest, mate, but I mean, it wasn't exactly easy getting here. Yeah, can we fair. just do that for a yeah. sec? I know we're here to talk about athletics, but wow, what a journey we had to get yeah, here. This is going to be a little bit of a kind of uh, counselling session for us. Because yeah. tr it was trauma traumatic for us to it get was. here. It was. I've got PTSD. We took about seven planes, three buses... <laughs> two trains and a dalla dalla to get here. In fact, it took that long. On day three, I thought, should we just go to Tokyo for the next World Championships? I don't think we would have made that one in time. <laughs> well, even getting here for the podcast recording, it was really exciting because actually, as we were walking across, we caught the lead group of the women's marathon running at 7am because it's incredibly hot. I'm sweating just sitting here in this room. But we couldn't then cross the bridge to get here. So we had a proper panic, run around with all our equipment as well to try and get here in time to actually do it. Yeah, it, it is toasty. Um, did you run in anything as hot as this? I ran a soccer world champs 2007. Yeah, it was like 36, 38 degrees and my heat, yeah. which was quite unusual for the 1500, I think, were at about midday, 1pm. So the end of the morning session. Um, and then I wanted to get straight in an ice bath. That's that's the hottest I've ever run in. It was really, it was really tasty. tough. Yeah. Sarah, you don't cope too well with the heat, do you? I hate it. So we arrived having not slept for 36 hours. And obviously me and Andy made the sensible decision to go for a run. In the middle, oh, of, yeah. in the middle of the afternoon, yeah. yeah. And then Andy was like, yeah, let's go for a jog. Let's go for an easy jog. And I was like, okay, we get 3K in. His easy jog is my 10K PB pace. And he dropped me. No, 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 no. You you, you, you let me go. I had to turn around yeah, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, I was going to die. Fair enough. So, I mean, I just think you went to bed so impressive. Yeah, I mean, they went for a run. I went <laughs> out. Tried to find a Pinot Grigio or a Gavi. <laughs> and then, and because my phone didn't work, because we've been traveling for six and a half years to get here, 
Um, I just went into a shop and all I had was my card. And I was like, well, you know, a glass of wine was 1,623 Hungarian forints. I have no idea if that's expensive or not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a bargain now. Is it a bargain? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So I got a cheap bite. I was like, I could get a nasty surprise when I get back to the UK. <laughs> this could be a very, very expensive trip or it could be a very cheap one. Same happened in the stadium last night, which was amazing, by the way. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, Excellent segue. You can tell yeah. that one of us is a broadcast professional. <laughs> <laughs> Just. It was amazing there last night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I was really nervous. It was, that's the first time I've been in a stadium at a major championship since the 2012 Olympics because I was injured and then I didn't make 2016. And then I'd sort of, I was too scared to go back you in. You were nervous going in. Yeah, I was really nervous yesterday. Like, I wasn't even running, but it was, I had those old feelings of, <laughs> you can see all, all of the stuff that, that actually happens behind the scenes that you don't always see, although they're doing a good job this year of covering it, is the call room. Um, that's terrifying. Um, so you. The which room? The call room, so you, about an hour sometimes in some championships before the actual start, you have to have finished your warm-up. Maybe it's half an hour. And then yeah. you have to go into the final call room. They check your bag, make sure you're not taking anything illegal onto the track. I don't know what anyone's ever tried to take onto the track that you wouldn't be allowed to take. Um, <laughs> You've got to go through a scanner to get on the track. <laughs> no scanner. They, I mean, at various points, they measure the length of your spikes. And now there are different oh, types of right. spike yeah, technology. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they measure the thickness of them. But it's checking what's in your bag, checking there's no sponsor conflict as well that you're going to take out. Or, or maybe political statements. I don't know. Um, wow. Anyway, but they, they check all of that. But actually, that's not the bit that's nerve-wracking. Yeah. The bit that's nerve-wracking is you're then in a, a very small room with, um, uh, depending on your event, 11 of your competitors. And yeah. when I did it, no one would talk. It was terrifying. So it's like all of the 11 other people that you're trying to beat. And, and no one sees that, but then do I people, know that's happening. Do people look at each other? Or is it just a room of people just like, Head down. Don't, don't look at me? A, yeah. a bit of both. I think I've got a good question for Jake on this later because we did catch up about it before. Um, about whether anyone talks in, in that environment. No one talked generally in my experience. And I think... Actually, I think that I, if, says quite a lot about you. Yeah, I, just, I, just, <laughs> I didn't have any friends. That's a problem. You, you, <laughs> know, you know when they come down and now it's like there's the tunnel. There's like hype music and then people are kind of like doing the ball and like, you know, flicking their hair. I can't imagine you doing that, mate. I would... <laughs> <laughs> You did have 10 years to come up with something to do. Did you ever get a... No, we, no, we didn't have that. So this right. is like black Before and white. Different they were, era. They were, oh, yeah. they were posting the results with paper yeah. on the walls. So they were just no, pigeons like, no flying around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was homing pigeons to be, send them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It would be interesting if Jacob and Kira do that and they come down. Yeah, we'll, we'll, have, yeah. we'll, we'll find have to ask them when we get to that. But what, yeah, yeah. I guess what have been your highlights this week so far? It's amazing to be out here. And I know, Rick, like you're out there as a fan in the stadium. Yeah, so obviously I've, I've, I've been to stadiums before, but only ever in the mix zone or like doing commentary. So actually to come last night and sit with you two like, um, in, the, in the stands, watching the 800 metre women's semi-finals yeah. was seriously impressive, wasn't it? Mm, so good. Yeah, mine is the same. Just the, the atmosphere in there. I think especially because obviously we've had COVID, we've had mm. a lot of empty stadiums. It's so nice to come to a full stadium yeah, packed 40, out, see just people cheering. I will say one very f small thing that I personally love is that last night it was also the javelin finals. Obviously, all the athletes amazing, but <laughs> the personal highlight for me is the fact that to get the javelin because they throw it so far back to the start, they have a little electric car. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Did you see it last night? No. Yeah. That is, if I could work and like an athletics championships, I would want to be on the controller. Yeah. Please Imagine. Don't. Please don't take offence and still Did be nice with Jake and Kira. The, 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 the highlight of Sarah's week is the little robots that bring the, uh, bring the javelins back. <laughs> I did spend a long time going like, what car is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you were more bothered about. But amazingly as well, we do some stuff on the channel where we're um, testing out different paces because 
I'm definitely not as fast as I was anymore. And, and it's actually quite hard to put into context how fast people are running. That's the amazing thing I think you get in the stadium. And that was what was amazing for me being back there was just the sense of speed. We saw the 200 meter finals, uh, the 800 meter semis and like the 800 meter semis they were running, uh, the 800 meter women's semifinals, they were running 58 for the first lap. And yeah, Sarah and had we, a go the other week at yeah, running we 5K out, world record pace. Yeah, we right? put out a video this week where we were trying to run 5K world record pace and I floored it around and could, couldn't get under 80. So the fact that they are doing <laughs> yeah. in this heat, the fact that it starts with a five is boggles my brain yeah yeah so let's talk about the heat i have some notes here of the things that i thought were interesting because mm. i'm a geek the uh women's 5k heats one of my highlights because um one of the youngest athletes in the field in the first heat they went off really slow but very quickly she made a decision to just run a steady pace 15 minute pace which actually in this temperature is fast but it's not you know otherworldly for the kind mm. of talent that was in that and everyone let her get away and so she had 150 meters maybe 200 meter lead at one point mm -hmm. and then everyone oh, I think everyone hopefully was rooting for her to kind of hang on to it as everyone just closed yeah. in on her towards the end um so I think that was counter from from Latvia but the I, I it was amazing because she did get through so she made the final so those are the kind of unsung hero stories that you remember at the time but they're obviously not going to be in the papers for years to come but like little things like that it's an interesting point as well because I have never thought about the amount of tactics that go into all of these races yeah. you obviously look at you think you train you run really fast job done but yeah. there's yeah. yeah that was it Jake Kira sorry well I, I genuinely I, for that reason and I know if you speak to anyone who does any distance 100 200 they'll always talk about the minutiae of executing their race mm. and I always was a bit blase about say the one and the 200 I was like you just run as fast as you can yeah but, the, but there are phases obviously in, in executing the the way that they run but I always thought, I was like, if I had a lane, this would be easy. Well, that's like, no the one's thing. gonna get in my way. I just run as hard as I can for how many, however long it is. Yeah, but I wasn't fast enough to have a lane, so I had to do, kept what, stepping what did up. You get? The, well, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. We, you start on the waterfall start, so then you, oh, you're all yeah, going into lane one. Start, and then yeah, everyone yeah. Get, you, we all get in each other's <laughs> way yeah. in the 1500 meters. But so, also yeah. the fear of falling over. Like we watched last night, someone fell over. And oh, yeah, the, they, they recovered well, though. They, they? recovered, yeah, yeah. but just that would give me such fear going into a race knowing that there's a possibility like everyone's competing against each other no one's going to be like oh no you yeah. you go in front yeah you see a lot of like you. hands on the back of people's because you know, because you want to get a spot and then you nearly get the spot someone else gets it and then they all slow back into you and then everyone's pushing and shoving oh this is giving me flashbacks oh, this man. is when you knocked over that aussie guy about 10 years ago and the whole of australia hated him <laughs> that is 100% accurate. Commonwealth Games. <laughs> <laughs> Commonwealth Games 2006. Didn't they put a, like, a dartboard on the front page of like the Australian newspaper? They did, yeah. Yeah, it, it was yeah, like yeah. Uh, Aussie, I, Aussie felled by POM was I've the... Got that, yeah. was, <laughs> I've got that in the back was, of my uh, bedroom was, door now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I did, I did um, Commonwealth Final 2006. I did knock over the Australian favourite, Craig Mottram, in front of 90,000 yeah. 90, uh, 90, because yeah. it was a huge stadium at the MCG in Melbourne. And, uh, and the whole stadium booed me for two laps. It's tough, mate. It's tough. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's made you the man you are today. <laughs> yeah, really boring. <laughs> um, I just hide away from everything. But let's bring it back on track uh, and away from me. Um, the 5,000 meters as well, it's really unusual. It shows you how hot it is. That they had water stations oh, on yeah. the track for 5K yeah. heats. And I know there's, there's something about humidity and temperature in combination that they, I think, legally have to. But unbelievably, athletes were taking it which I think is pretty unusual to see them take water in the... Well, but then they're little cups as well, which you can't yeah. drink at that pace. They're running, whatever, 68 second laps. I wonder if they do the little, you know, in a marathon, if you get a cup, it's always oh, the like make it pinch and pinch, sip. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if they went for the pinch and no, sip. No, I, I was watching the coverage and I think it just went all over the place. <laughs> just so, go, yeah. whatever you can take in. Um, so yeah, the, and the other thing that we've been, like I suppose a highlight, highlight for me this week is the weird 
fastest losers. I know they don't call it fastest losers, but the, the next fastest. So if you're not an automatic qualifier in one of the rounds, you then are the next fastest. So for example, in the 200 meters semifinals, there's three semifinals, two, the first two in each go through, and then the next two fastest across all three go into the final. And they make them sit in the strange waiting room, a bit like the time trialist in cycling or the people at the bottom yeah. of the mountain in skiing to wait to see whether they have got through. So they're in this sort of awkward sofa, green room situation, waiting to find out whether, and, and all they want to do is go and cool down and then sort of they can't control it at that point. Or that's what I would have wanted to do. Oh, right. And then the fastest of all the heats goes through. Yeah, but then it basically if, yeah. if you're in the first semi-final and you finish third and fourth, you automatically have to wait around in that room because I you're see, yeah. by definition in that place. But then if the people in the next one go faster, then it's like, see you later. Were you, were you often oh. in that room? <laughs> no, no, my point was I didn't used to have this room. It didn't exist. So oh, it's a I new see. thing. Yeah. So where did you wait? Hey, I, I wasn't the fastest loser. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks. He, he was just a loser. <laughs> <laughs> savage. Absolutely savage. Hey, no, I, think, I think I was automatic qualifier most of the time. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take a, a proud claim to that. Yes. But yeah, yeah they have yeah. That, that weird room. But then also, I think maybe we'll ask Jake and, and Kira about it. This is the first year where they've abandoned that fastest loser system, but only for the 1500 and the 5K. Why is that? I, 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 I don't know. Maybe... Because the maths doesn't add up in the way they do the 100, 200, 400, and you need to get eight into the final because it's eight lanes. Oh, right, right, but right, But in the right. 1500, they would normally have had first five and two fastest, and now it's first six, and that's it. And so you've had real examples in the 5K and the 1500 where you could run a national record and, or a personal best or whatever, run really, really fast in your heat, which in previous years, as long as you're in the first seven or eight, would have got you through. Um, and then, but then this year, it, the times are irrelevant. So you, you could have really unevenly weighted semi-finals that run one runs much faster people get to the final oh yeah just uh we'll, we'll let people in behind the behind the scenes here that rick makes random hand signals every time i need to stop talking i have got a twitch but there is another reason yeah well. yeah, yeah um because <laughs> we were wondering that we're hoping people don't get bored before we get to the real action which is talking to the athletes but yeah you you would um have had that kind of the tactics of i think it's to get rid of the advantage if you're in oh, the, if you're in the last of say three semi-finals or two semi-finals you would know exactly what you had to do. So if you're in the first seven instead of the first five to guarantee it, and you ran fast in a certain time, you knew you were in. So that sort of makes it easier if you're in the, the later semifinals. Or, or or yeah, yeah. So you can tell Sarah and Rick were definitely bored by that. Yeah, no idea uh, what he's talking about. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, now we're gonna... Yeah, can we talk to some other people now? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we've heard, we've heard enough from you. Yeah. Stop talking, Andy. But yes, you are listening to the Running Channel podcast. And up next, we have got the thing that everyone's waiting for, which is we're going to be speaking to the 2022 World 1500 Meter Champion, Jake Whiteman. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Shoes. Now, at the Running Channel, we bang on all the time about how if you want to run fast, you need to run slow. I'm talking about the 80-20 rule. Yes, you need to do the vast majority of your training at an easier or steadier pace. And you need an everyday pair of running shoes that you trust to do that. And the Infinite Elite has brand new cushioning technology in the form of Under Armour's Hover Plus. So that's designed to support you for the whole of even your longest runs with extra cushioning and energy return. So that's what this is all about. Yeah, and if you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes. Thank you. 
I was terrified then I was going to bring the whole thing down. Yes. Just over one word. We've done a few live podcasts, Danielle. Yeah, in the first one, I did kick two of the cameras over. Yeah. As, as we started recording. Yes, as well. yes. So it's, it's... It was a very calm podcast. Yes. Yeah. As, as you Every, everything's going smooth. So yeah. So yeah, welcome. I've got lots of not too scary questions, but I guess just a very quick like reflection of Budapest 2023 so far. Yeah, it's, it's been a unique experience for me because normally I would be hoping to have raced here, but with injuries, yeah. I'm not. Uh, so I didn't know how I was going to feel about coming in and kind of watching the athletics from the other side, but I've enjoyed it more than I thought. I've done some media stuff. Um, I enjoyed watching my own event to an extent, but yeah. I, the feeling was I would love to have been there still. Yeah. But yeah. it makes you realise that this probably, I would say, is one of the best world champs I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, really? As an athlete. Yeah, I just think Budapest is such a good city to host it. We've yeah. had... Doha and Eugene were the last two. Yeah, and it was just it wasn't the experience like they're expensive for fans to get to, right? Like yeah. they're in difficult difficult places to get to. And like what struck me in the stadium is one the noise, mm -hmm. very hot as well, um, but also that people were super into it. Really knowledgeable fans, um, and it and it was scattered around the stadium. You've got people that are super into the events that they could see up close, the yeah. different field events and so on. Which it's not always the case. Like even in London, I would have said that because there's a lot of more casual fans. There was less knowledgeable, there were you know, fewer knowledgeable people in the stadium. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas, like, I think at a lot of the big European cities like this, you get proper hardcore fans that are, you know, dying. and I saw you getting stopped and grabbed and stuff like out, outside. And it's <laughs> nah. nice that people get to see that you guys are just kind of there enjoying it as well. Yeah. You see, I saw uh, Anna Hall, the heptathlete, who came second to Johnson Thompson the other night. She was just wandering through the stadium in her gear and. Like, I was like, surely she should be getting mobbed. Yeah. So I still think there's, there's a few fans who probably aren't aware out of context who people are, which I think is it's unexpected. The case, they just yeah. don't, they wouldn't expect to see you yeah, there. So and then there's a lot of whispering, like, like, is that, is that, is that, is that could yeah, that be? And yeah. then they're too scared to come and say hello. Well, so. Yeah, it's, it's just the way, yeah, it's the way it goes with it, where you want to attract people that have never watched it before, but at the same time, you want the diehards who really love the sport to be able to have access to it. And Eugene last year was tough because it was such a small stadium and such a small town that there wasn't enough accommodation or tickets available and the flights were expensive that yeah. the fans that wanted to come from overseas probably weren't able to. So this is the first kind of champs in a while that they've had access to be able to actually come and be be a fan and see all of it. Yeah, and a beer's only two quid, as we just found out. So. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. know, I wouldn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you've only just found out, yeah, you, yeah. you couldn't do the foreign exchange conversion. Um, so we, at The Running Channel, we get loads of questions sent in. And if anyone would like to send a question in, you can do at podcast at therunningchannel.com. And we've also had a, hundreds of questions sent in on social media that we're going to put to you. Hopefully they're just a little bit different to the stuff that you might yeah, have got asked before when you get finished a race. Um, so the first one um, is about Strava. So, okay. so the question is coming from Toby and it is, and Rick will be very cross because Toby hasn't told Toby us. Toby hasn't told us where he's from. I literally can't stand it when they don't tell us where they're from. <laughs> or he might have done. We might just now have it on our oh, list. Oh, right. Okay. Cases. Sorry, Toby. <laughs> so Toby asks, do you look at Strava segments the same way as us mere mortals and compete for crowns and leaderboards? I'm going to disappoint everybody. I don't have Strava. Yes. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I've noticed a lot of athletes this week uh, don't have any social media for the first time at championships. Uh, we, would... me, me and you spoke to one last night. Yeah. While we're waiting for a boat, <laughs> he, was, he was retired. I think he's, he's made, retired. Yeah. yeah, and a couple of others just haven't haven't got it. Yeah, yeah it was so Strava for me is it's something that I've never been too bothered mm. about. It's like for me, my training as long as I'm doing it and my dad, who's my coach, can yeah. see it. That's all that I'm bothered about. It's like 
it'd be nice to have a few pats on the back with kudos every now and then when you've done a good <laughs> session yeah. just for a bit of validation but yeah what if, you, what if you put out this world leading session that you've never done before you get nothing well, yeah i think it was strava. was it chapter guy that stopped his watch during his world record and put yes. it up on strava and it's like if that doesn't deserve the most kudos ever and <laughs> yeah. the, the system is flawed but the problem is if he's got his watch set up wrong it might have only said he ran like 4,900 meters yeah it'd so. be a true test for how accurate yeah. the gps is yeah. but yeah uh i think i've noticed that with so, so i'm guilty of if I have someone to train with or a friend that's on it, I'll be like, oh, like, let me have a little look and I'll browse through sometimes just seeing what pops up and who does what. But part of it is that I think a lot of elite athletes don't put their full training on there, yeah. which, see, which yeah. to me is like, that's not a good thing because you want to show that you're a real person that has bad days and good days, whereas people love to just show off the really good stuff. Whereas like, if I was on there, maybe at some point I would, I would show everything. Um, yeah. I'd want to see like you do have bad days and it's yeah. not sustainable to be like thinking that we're just doing these amazing sessions because a lot of the time we're rubbish yeah so. like a, <laughs> like an Instagram filter on on your like running life yeah, as in making it look that. better than it than it is yeah. and yet the, the best thing is when you do see someone that has uploaded something that's genuinely world-class but they do it all the time and it's just called like morning run and yeah it, but imagine it's like London it's Marathon in you know 201 morning, morning, morning. shake out yeah, yeah. but you're actually going for a tempo <laughs> yeah but it'd be like um yeah, it, it'd, be, it'd be tough to swallow the pride if you get all these people going like, oh, that's rubbish. And then you just like delete the post because you're so ashamed of it. But yeah. I, I believe it's like, you've got to be transparent. Is, in is what it also, we... Could you be giving away, you know, tricks of the trade as well? Uh, there's not really, I would say like, you probably agree with Sandy where there's no real secret to it. It's like doing consistently like good enough stuff. Yeah. So part of it is like you could put out a session that you've done certain splits, but an athlete might not be able to replicate that in the same way you have. Yeah. So it's just, it's generally just about you as an individual getting stuff done what's right for you not there's no special formula well yeah i haven't found it yet yeah well, that's <laughs> the healthiest outlook because i think if you did have a snapshot of someone else's training then you might panic a little bit oh could i do yeah, that yeah, yeah. whereas the reality is, is like you said it's probably you've got no idea what they did before that they had two weeks to rest to prep for yeah. that as like as, as a workout as opposed to you being you got 80 miles on your legs and then you're trying to do something hard like it's, it's really different i'm sure we've got another question maybe yeah i've got another question this one's from ali and that last year and this year they've asked how much do you actually get to see of the paces that you travel to to compete do you actually where's, get to explore where's Ali from yeah that's <laughs> oh, a good question savage well, I don't know <laughs> yes Jake's joining the podcast no one's told us where I mean, they're from today just, he's from Staines okay somewhere in London yeah so that's that's the sad reality of being a professional athlete is we travel the world seeing going to all these amazing places but rarely ever seeing that much of it so yeah. This is the first champs I've been to and I've actually seen the city we're in. And it's like, yeah, like a mini holiday. Whereas, especially during COVID, they were flying us out literally as soon as we finished. So Eugene last year, I, I ran my final and the next day at 12 o'clock, I was on a flight out. And then oh, wow. Tokyo, we didn't even get to leave the village because it was COVID restrictions. And then Doha, I think I saw nothing because it was too hot. Uh, <laughs> oh London, gosh. I was in my, like, the town I live in. So I was like... I wanted to go home. Kind of seen <laughs> it before. Really yeah. see. you're, I mean, you're painting a picture here. I know. You're selling, selling the athlete <laughs> yeah. lifestyle. No, but you know what it's like. It's yeah. Genuinely, yeah. it's not glamorous. It's like a lot of the time it's very boring. So, And like, you're trying to minimise how much you actually walk around. Like these guys will you know, always absolutely take the mickey out of me for like being lazy. Because I'm yeah, like, well, yeah. I'll get a lift. I'm not getting yeah. the stairs. I, no. I'm not yeah, going to walk anywhere. You get a lift up two stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it carried like a prince? Yeah, it sounds yeah like. that's it. I, yeah. I want these guys to have me on like a palanquin with the pillows and stuff. But no. <laughs> the, um, but the, 
that's the point, right? Is you're trying not to do anything extra. Yeah. So you can't really go sightseeing the night before a Diamond League. No, it's like the, the kind of most lavish thing I've ever done is met my family for a coffee or something. But I've been like, calm down in the stadium. But I've been very conscious about how far I'd walk to go and do that. And they'd yeah. always come to me. But it's nice when you do, for example, say if you have a good race or a good champs, if you get one night or a couple of days just to be able to celebrate and maybe see a little bit of it. Yeah. So in Munich... Uh, last year we had European Championships and I won a silver medal in the 800 and I'd seen nothing. We were on the last day. Yeah. So I made it, made sure that I did something. So at 7am the next morning, there was a river. I don't know if anyone's been to Munich, but there's a river where like, people go in it and it's almost like a lazy river where you oh, can just yeah, float down. down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so at 7am I was in there and then again at like 11, we all got on the bus to go to the airport. Oh, so. so there is a life in athletics. Yeah, it's a very rushed and compact <laughs> life. <laughs> uh, but we have a long time retired where we can make up for these things yeah, we don't get to exactly. see. Exactly. Every do. four years you can float down a river. Is there one place on the list that you've been to that you're like, I need to go back there because I didn't get to see it? Tokyo, for yeah. sure. Because oh, really? Tokyo, when when Tokyo was announced as Olympic Games and you knew there was a chance of going, it's like, what an amazing city to be able to go to, to go not only to compete, but also to go and see. It's like, how often do you get to go as far as Japan? Yeah. So to not even be able to leave the yeah. village apart from to go to the track was pretty sad. So well, the you get another opportunity, two yeah. years time. Exactly. And but then yeah. you won't get to see any of it because you'll be nah, nah, that's the <laughs> thing. Holiday week like, after. The, yeah. The, yeah. The sad, also, the sad reality is that we don't finish our seasons. Uh, like for Kira, for example, like she'll still be racing having had a good world yeah. champs, you can't let your hair down and celebrate as much. You have to stay on it. So it's like, you can't go on a holiday because you've got to go and run diamond leagues and finish yeah. your season as well. Right, yeah. I yeah. honestly envisaged it like, you know, the football when they win, I, this is what I was thinking happens. You get on the top of a double decker bus, party <laughs> around the city oh, for yeah. a few no, days. Have, it happens in probably just a bit delayed. So it will happen in September, not the bus around the city. <laughs> <laughs> just to make it clear, that is not you a thing You can get an open sport. tour bus in like, yeah. We did get it. I mean, I didn't get a medal, but they, we did get it for London 2012. Oh, really? No, so the whole mom, Olympic team got paraded around the streets. So my mum has a convertible, so as far as it would get, I'd stand out of that and she'd drive me around. <laughs> <laughs> I've got yeah. an image. And my dad will clap. Right, right, speaking of your mum, actually. Hang um, on. Careful. Ooh, you yeah. set... <laughs> in, 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 Our segue is very going? No, no, this is good. This is good. In front of your mum, you set a very special record, so I hear. You set the local parkrun record in Worthing. In the UK, uh, in 2019. So here's a big question, everybody: Could you beat Andy B at parkrun? Well, obviously you could beat me. This is from Harry. No, no, no. Sorry, Andy. The actual parkrun world record holder. No, no, no. no. There's a new one now. Stand down. So if if anyone doesn't know, (laughs) Andy held the the parkrun record for what was it? Ten years? Eleven years. Eleven years. Sorry. (laughs) Get it right. But uh, he just lost it. What was it? Last month, Sarah. Yeah. yeah. To go to Andy Butchart, to who, Andy is, Butchard, uh, who we had on the podcast. As well. The new oh, yeah. improved Andy yeah. B. Yeah. yeah. What, yeah. what was your time Yeah. I've only done, I think I did 14.30 something there. Not but, bad at So I, my it? local running spot or like where I train is Bushy Park where Andy did that. Oh, and yeah. I've done that park run many times and I've been nowhere near. So hey, like, honestly, look at that. you're, you're yeah, like look a legend. He's just being nice, he's being nice. So, honestly, you're a legend of Bushy Park. So yeah. I hear, I hear <laughs> that planning statue, else. a statue it's at some point. for other reasons though. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Careful. Uh, right, so I actually, I, I nearly forgot to do this, but I've, Go got, on. Some, I've got a special, well, off microphone, I've got a special prop for everyone looking as well. So oh, here we go. Seen these horrors. Go I the saw park. them under the chair and I thought, why have you brought your slippers? <laughs> <laughs> so for everyone listening who's not able to see, I've brought my old spikes, so my old New Bounce spikes. I was a New Bounce athlete when I was competing. So these I ran in 
the World Champs finals and, and Olympics in. I, I'm going to hand them to you just to... Because to, yeah, they're a bit different, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I'd say this is probably what I started running um, in. Do you know what? You're within New Balance... Everyone always goes on about, oh, Andy Badley had his own shoe. It was like the Badley. <laughs> yes. Everyone always oh, that's goes not on about how yeah. cool is that, that? It that wasn't was the Badley. It's not this, but you've got your name on the back, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah but. They, they hooked me up. But they, I mean, the technology, I guess, is so different to... So I was, I was put up to this by, um, uh, by Pete Riley and John Evans. They wanted to know how fast you thought you could run in those spikes. <sighs> so the thing, the main difference is the foam. So like yeah. now it's gone to the point where we have like a big stack of foam like across the shoe, whereas that is nothing. So... <laughs> what did you oh, So they're much taller then? 349, the mile in those. Yeah, I was going to say 349, Yeah, yeah, it was quicker than that. Over 334. <laughs> yeah, so oh, honestly, it, it's, it's worth probably at least two or three seconds for yeah. new technology. Wow. Maybe more, Andy, maybe more. <laughs> I know, that's why I wasn't looking Don't for that. It was, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more just, I guess, <laughs> how, much 15 of a, seconds. <laughs> how much of a shock is it to see it? Because, like, you forget uh, what it was like before, though, because we're so used to the last yeah. few years having this new spike technology that looks just a complete contrast to that. It's like the yeah. whole mentality of what a spike should look like changed, really. Yeah, the, the focus when I was competing was entirely on, I mean, these aren't even that light because the technology didn't exist in the yeah. phone, but it was just strip everything out, have like basically what amounts to like a strip of cardboard. Yeah, even the, even the amount it flexes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you can't so, do that it's so to flexible. new spikes now. It's just like They're so a different. solid plate, yeah. Yeah, so really different. Like, yeah. There you go, that's just a little aside. Yeah, no, it's cool. You Honestly, <laughs> you forget. Is there? Is there... An, Oh yeah, I didn't normally write my name on my side. Yeah, I, like, I think someone asked me these were displayed somewhere, and then yeah, uh, yeah on, no, it's honestly, moved on a lot. they're cool. Yeah, mm. right. Okay, a little bit of a little bit of a segue trip down memory lane for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got there in the end. <laughs> uh, this question from Aaron: What are the low lights of being a professional? Yes, the this is what light. I want to know. Like, what are the bad things that no one talks about? I've never heard the word low light, but I guess that makes sense. We bring everything on this pod. Highlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say for me, like. Injuries haven't even been the worst bit because I would say injuries is something that we accept that will happen as being part of the sport to this level, like pushing your body as, hard, as far and as fast as it can go. You're guaranteed at points to get injuries. So I've never really been down from injuries because I've been like, I've had many years where I've had good runs without injuries. Like this is just my time to serve my time with an injury. Yeah. Almost is the way I look at it. But the lowlights for me is there's if it doesn't go well and you don't race as well as you want and like for me Tokyo was like the lowest point for me because I had everything was going towards going to these Olympic games mm. and I was like oh I'm on track for a medal here it's been like my career has led to this point and I finished 10th and that was just like a gutting feeling to know it was yeah. done and a lot of it is that like we sacrifice a lot doing this sport it's like it's good fun and you have to remind yourself a lot of the time that you're getting like paid to do a hobby that started off as a hobby yeah. and you'd probably be doing it even if you weren't doing it as a job and we're lucky to be in this position but you miss out on a lot of life events from doing it and there's so many like occasions where I've almost got like big FOMO from not going on like holidays celebrating birthdays yeah. like big occasions I had no like graduation from yeah. uni I had no like holidays at the end of school and stuff and it's like they're the ones where you don't really get that back but I speak to a lot of my friends who ran at university and they all wanted to be doing what I'm doing now and they were like honestly like we'd give anything to be in yeah. your situation is the one thing that you have to keep reminding yourself it doesn't make it easier though like that if you you know everyone has a bad race like that that, that happens sometimes sometimes yeah. it's in a really big race sometimes it's not and then you get a chance to bounce back and win the world championships which is obviously yeah, incredible but there's always something like I'm, I'm a big glass half full guy yeah. with stuff and I feel as though if you've got something that's gone wrong there's always something you can learn and take from that to make sure it doesn't happen again and if you've not learned and taken anything from it then you've not yeah. looked at it the right way exactly yeah I took a like, 
we were talking before the pod about this question about like the low lights of being a pro athlete. I took yeah. a very different, slightly less highbrow. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. Andy, <laughs> remind us of your one. <laughs> well, there was two that I was thinking of. One is that you're traveling around the circuit and people don't like realize that you just get stuck in a hotel room with a total yeah. stranger most of the time. Yeah, yeah. So you, you rock up and, and like you're, it's, it, I mean, admittedly it's paid for. So your flight and hotels are usually paid for. But then yeah, you, you go and they're like, oh yeah, pick up your room key and you go in and someone's already in there. Their stuff's all over the room. People You've got no idea who it yeah. is. It's like, it's also some of the pairings they'll put are just, how have you thought of that? It's like, we don't even speak a word of the same yeah. language and I've yeah. got to do three days with like, sometimes the beds are like that close together and you're walking in and it's a stranger and you're like introducing yourself and you get lucky sometimes where it might yeah. be like, I've made friends from uh, athletes, like I was with an Aussie, Aussie discus thrower last year who I'd never yeah. met before and we were sitting watching films together throughout oh, a lot of it. You have to share a room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Took, took your time yeah. catching up with the conversation there. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I was just processing that. I, yeah, yeah, I wrapped up at a meet once and was in with a Russian shot put guy. Yeah. And, and we couldn't communicate even. Yeah. So like it's, you just kind of, and, and there's a lot of dead time before a race because you might arrive mid-afternoon the night before, the day before, then you're competing at like nine or 10 o'clock wow. the following yeah. day. And wow. you're just sat on twin beds, like maybe a few feet apart, closer, mm. apart, closer together than we are now. Yeah. Um, there's, there's and, and you're just like, I don't know. And, and you didn't have, I I'm didn't have smartphones. Well, yeah, I'm guessing that. as well, you didn't yeah. have the technology where yesterday in the taxi, yeah. you communicated to the taxi driver to call Rick an idiot to the taxi <laughs> driver through your phone. We were translating phone. Hungarian yeah. live yeah. in the taxi. Um, yeah. But the, no, you didn't have that. Uh, well, I mean, and, and you didn't have that much technology to entertain yourself either. So you'd be watching Eurosport in a foreign language. or you'd <laughs> Just be... with your blackboard writing so yeah, short. Yeah. I got my slate out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was making my pre-race notes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, carved into a, into a piece of wood, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, it's... it's... <laughs> It's like, there's funny little things within the sport people don't realise that it's even like the anti-doping stuff where it's like someone will come, you have to give a slot mm. every day where you're guaranteed to be. So yeah. a lot of the time you do it late at night or early in the morning because you're guaranteed to be at home. Yeah. So I'm 6am. So 6am, the doorbell rings. A man that you've probably met before because you get the same people coming but potentially haven't yeah. has to come and pretty much stand and watch you go for a wee. Yeah. And yeah. it's like... Yeah, that's a real low light. Yeah, and it's like when, when people <laughs> tell you that and it's like, it just becomes so common. It's like, in you come... Let's get this done. Get but your pot. He'll also, stand there. You have to drop your trousers. Yeah, yeah, round the ankles. Round the ankles. A lot of them before, to it's, be it's fair. It's not like it's, yeah, not like, it's, it's, like, it's not a subtle thing. It's round yeah. your ankles. Like you've got to be naked so that yeah, you, see yeah. you haven't got something like strapped to your body to kind of yeah. give you the sample. So, which it's is a weird part of the sport. So yeah, I, I let's let's be honest. I don't think that's a particular highlight for the people that have got to watch it either. I'd, I mean, I think that's just great information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you I, just I imagine though? Yeah, like meeting a stranger. What do you do? Wow. Yeah, yeah. you should ask. You want to you want to see my boot? <laughs> incredible so a massive thank you to jake absolute legend we've really enjoyed having you on and now in a transition that will be seamless in the edited versions of this we're joined by kira Thanks, mate. so yeah welcome thanks for coming on thanks so much for having me yeah this is really exciting for me just talking about 1500 meters rick and sarah having to talk out like to put up with me kind of geeking out about it yeah it's a yeah, lot yeah, yeah. it's a lot um, but I'm going to jump straight in with a story which is going to be really embarrassing for me if you don't remember it. Oh, uh, so I have terrible memory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I'm just not very memorable. So I think that's, it's fine. No, you are. Because uh, I had the shoes. <laughs> I was really? in awe whenever I was a kid in oh. your presence, for sure. Oh, well, so, um, so the story is that you've been with New Balance for a long time, right? Yeah. Um, and the first time that I think that you were having the conversations as like a 17, 18-year-old, like upcoming superstar in Ireland, my understanding was that Newmounts had flown you out to New York to kind of wine and dine you and say like we're the we're the brand to come and come and be with, and I remember being asked to to go out for dinner with you. So myself, 
and, and Jenny Simpson, who ended up becoming world champion running a new match shoes as well. We were like, we just, I mean, it was an easy gig for us. We just got to go and chat to you. We had, we had dinner. Um, so I was wondering if you remember that and then if I'm going to claim full responsibility for everything that's happened since then <laughs> based on that one conversation. No, I definitely do because I felt like, um, that was like, so like how, like high wing, I was getting flown to New York. I had never been to America before. Yeah. That was like a massive flight. I'm pretty sure like my sister came with me or my mom and dad, cause I had two trips out, one to sign my contract and one to head out. So I can't remember who was with me at that occasion. And I feel like I was really naive. Like I was going through the New York cities and John Evans was having to like pay like Spider-Man money because I wanted a picture with him. But I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know you had to pay those people. I just thought this is all man in a Spider-Man outfit. And I was like, look at this. So um, this is John Evans who's responsible for like bringing the athletes into the, yeah, the brand, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I did. I just thought you guys would just happen to be there at the time. I feel really like I fancy that they thought yeah. they needed to. I would have been signing that contract anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've been with New Balance since I was about 18, 19. So yeah, I remember, I remember that well. I was, I think I was a bit like in awe and really nervous heading for dinner with you guys. It's just because he had his own trainer brand, that's it. They both did. He's so yeah. normal. Yeah, Jenny's yeah. name was on the women's version. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, of course you had his and her trainers. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I don't think that's how my wife referred to Yeah, me. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then just to wrap that story up, I believe coming over from Ireland as well, I remember that we were like walking down the street just off Broadway and then the edge from U2 was like, I think he was working on a musical and he popped out the door. And I know like we just talked about John Evans, but he... He, he, he fully claimed it as a like, oh yeah, we, we just, you know, we got the edge out as well. You two, yeah. you two's come to say hello. We're like, pl I was please sign. like, well, John Evans is like, it's the edge. <laughs> you should get a picture of him. I'm not going to lie to you. Like if it had been Bono, I definitely would have recognized him. I felt terrible. Like we 18, 19 year old Kira wasn't hundred percent sure. I knew as soon as he said it, it was for yeah. you two. But yeah, I was like, you pants just... Yeah, this, this is, is just how life. This, this is, is they how they spider like, man that's just the it. They bring him out yeah. for you. Yeah. It was like one of the Transformers. It was awesome. Yeah, so Jake, Jake <laughs> talked about the athlete life being boring and low-key. Um, yeah, the very the start for me for that professional side was like was very glamorous. But yeah, we also have the mundane parts that yeah. everybody thinks like I, I was laughing chatting to some of the Irish people, I was like, Oh, this is the glamour whenever you're like on a really sweaty bus to the track, like the it's a forty five minute bus ride from the Irish hotel to, to the track. And you're like sweating and you're nervous and you're like, goodness, this is. And then whenever yeah. I was given a partial sample after the final, waiting to produce 10 more mils of pee. Oh, yeah, you like, can give it for, for context. So you can, if you don't wee enough, then they make you do it again. Yeah, so you just have to sit in a room a drinking for water. For, yeah. for, <laughs> well, actually, in German, German meats, they'll, they'll give you beer, right? I'd say it would have been better if I had I been able to start getting on the sesh or yeah. something. But <laughs> I, I was just sitting there drinking freezing cold water. I yeah. was like, and this then you find so once you once you well I found once you then manage to do it for then the next four hours all you need to do is go go yeah, for the pee. Yeah, you're and I drank about five liters of water just waiting to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This not is the, five, not five. That would have been dangerous. This is this is the this is the glamour. Yeah, um, it's a very glamorous sport. It is indeed. So now we should jump into to Budapest and and like uh, I saw the interview with you afterwards. Like obviously really excited. Like you can't ask for more than a national record, highest ever placing in a, in a world champs and finishing fourth. So I guess. Do you want to sum up your week? Yeah, I suppose like I, I came into this championship, like I, I keep my cards pretty close to my chest thinking oh, I could really have a chance of a medal here yeah. for the first time at a, at a global championship. And that's why I was kind of backing myself to be up there. Um, so when I came off with fourth, there was a little bit of disappointment because mm. I thought, you know, I'm so close. That was it's like, oh, that could have been my moment to get a global medal. Like it's always my dream to see the tricolor going up and, yeah. and a medal ceremony for Ireland. Um, so I, I probably, I, it was such mixed emotions. I was coming to the guys and like, 
like yourselves, we often yeah. know a lot of the people that are chatting to us when yeah. straight off the track. Mm. So I gave our journalists a big hug um, and I was like, oh, I'm disappointed. But then like, I'll, I'll be honest, over the next few days, the realization of like, I came forth in the world yeah. in was arguably one of the best women's 1500 meter fields it's ever. Good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, and as you said, a national record around 356, but off yeah. a really, really this slow start. This is what start. I was going to say, right? So yeah. I was like, oh, what could I run if it was steady? Yeah, and so bear in mind, <laughs> and not hot. For context, not for, hot. context for everyone, Kelly Holmes, like one of the, the UK's most famous 800, 1500 runners, did the double in Athens Olympics. I think she ran 357 to set a British record in the final of the Olympics to win it. You've run quicker than that off a slow pace. Um, and yeah, in 1500 meters, pacing is everything. So, so yeah, it's, it's one of the fastest finals of all time yeah. against three or four of, well, three plus the rest of the, the field of the greatest athletes of all time. And yeah, what were you big. expecting the final to be like? Like from the heats, did, did you get any like inkling of what the tactics would be in the final? To be honest, like whenever you were looking at the heats, if you particularly looked at the two semifinals, God, there was two completely different types of race. And I was in the first semifinal and we like had what I would say is like your bog standard get through the semifinals. Like we went out, it wasn't crazy fast. You're like, this is going to wind up. So be ready for it. So that's really like how I would imagine if you were going to say that's how most semifinals go, then the next semifinal they went through, it was one in like, what, 355 or yeah, something? Yeah, so like as fast as the final. Like, so like it was a crazy fast time. So. I was watching it from from after my race being like, did they just finish that that second semi-final? Went through in 355. I'm not going to lie to you. I went, brilliant. Yeah, you're glad, right? They're tired. <laughs> you're tired. <laughs> that's terrible. But I'm like, if they want to run the legs up themselves, I'm glad I was in, in the slower heat. Well, that's, so, that's the weird thing I was talking about a little bit earlier. Like, has that changed it this year? There's no fastest, no fast, no kind of fastest spots for people. So it does, it's irrelevant how fast you run in the rounds in the 1500 and the 5K. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like coming into it, I thought it would make the racing a lot more tactical, bring yeah, it slower. to what yeah. championship racing was like for you. And like, in similar vein, I, I would prefer that it was like yours. Like, I personally love a good oil, let's sprint to the yeah. finish line type race. I love the tactics of the 15. I'm ready for it. Um, so I didn't know what was going to come out of top, just top six and straight through. And I honestly still don't know because there are two semifinals that have not told you exactly how it goes. I think it just depends the athletes in, in the semifinal yeah. and what it would be. But it is tough because I look at that semifinal and there was girls, Sarah Healy, my Irish counterpart, she went sub four to run 3.59 and didn't make it through. Yeah. And like that's... It's crazy to think that didn't make the final. Well, yeah, and, and there's, there's a, been a yeah, weird generational shift, I guess. I, I was in that era where sub four and you were, like, you know, there's only a few people that went sub four a year, probably. Yeah, uh, now, now it's just, you have to get an old sub four out <laughs> to get through. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. And like, I suppose sometimes I was, I'm wondering like, ah, oh, do I wish I was born in a different era? Could I have won more medals? have been up there on a global championship but there's a real there's a real pride and joy of being out there in the best that it's ever been yeah you you toe the line with faith kip on the greatest yeah. of all time quite arguably yeah arguably and like that i don't know how the race is going to go because faith could go and try to take this out in a sub 350 in yeah. which case you're like well that's not for me probably good luck yeah, yeah like yeah. like you have to you have to know it, your own ability because i could go out and try to stay with her but i would not last the full 15 so i'd I'd be gone. Yeah. So like if I took the world champs, the previous world champs in Doha, I came into that championships and I made the final and I was absolutely delighted to be in the final. Um, that championships went out hard and I think it was Sifan just took it from the gun. So I knew, I was yeah. like, get on the pain train and hold on for dear yeah, life. I came yeah. ninth or 10th in that championship, was absolutely over the moon yeah. with that. Um, and 
I witnessed like fourth place running, I think it was a 354 at that championship it's and crazy, not medal. So the women's 15 is going into a realm that's just phenomenal. Yeah. You have girls that are doing times that people probably thought a woman would never do. Um, it's really exciting to be part of that, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's a healthy outlook on yeah. it. Um, this also links really nicely to a question that we yes. got coming in from Sally, who hasn't told us where she's from. Sorry, Rick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's asked, does running ever get comfortable? And she said, does it still feel for you like an itchy jumper you can't take off? Oh my goodness. It's like, does analogy. it ever get comfortable? <laughs> um, I, I had my previous coach, Steve, said, always said, like, you have to learn to be comfortably uncomfortable all the time. So that's, that's in training. You need to find that discomfort that you can cope with and you stay there and you flirt with that and you, you keep going. Even like, yeah, yeah, that's never easy. Like if you see me after, you guys won't witness this. I'll throw up. It's well really? known, like my, my, like the girls in the races are usually like walking past me in the hall after being like, you're all right. And I was like, all good, <laughs> carry on, carry on. Like I've been at races where Laura has literally just brought me a bottle and set it down. She's like, I'll see you in the cool down. And yeah. I'm like poking up my ring at the side of a track. It's like something that I've done since I was quite young. And I think it's maybe how I cope with how like my body copes with the lactic. I don't know. I'd prefer if I didn't. But also, like, yeah. we've got a lot. Of, we've got me. You've got a lot in common there, actually. It's just for different reasons that they throw it up. But, uh. Yeah. So, like, I it's yeah. never got that comfortable. But even in the lead up to it, like, it, it was quite interesting chatting to some people after, and they were like, "You're you're a different animal out there this season and last season." Mm -hmm. It's like you look so calm. You looked like I felt really ready for the final. I was absolutely cacking it for the first round <laughs> super nervous I think it's nearly worse yeah. you go out in the first round yes. and you'd backed yourself to be up there in the final you know you've royally deeped up so you get nervous before races and you get nervous sometimes before training but you don't get nervous when you do media do you evidently not do you <laughs> I think, I think that... unless after this you just run to you the back and we're like were you hoping to be more intimidating than you are no no definitely not no, obviously nowhere near but that does bring me on to a very good question oh, uh, from at the third degree who says do runners from the same country agree on tactics before races like the 1500 meters well certainly not from ireland I'm pretty sure the Brits don't tie up to see who's going to... Um, I don't know. It's certainly something that I've wondered for some other nations. So you don't which... sort of ever get a... Like, they're not like in a kind of a little huddle before the... Or anything like that. You don't see coaches no. or agents kind of bringing it together. I've never... I never, I never did. And, and but I've I... often wondered if some nations where they are trying to break another nation. So like, I'll just for argument's sake, like say Kenya and Ethiopia. Yeah. Yeah. Two really big rival agency uh, countries. Would they want to break somebody to make their person the champion? Yeah. I don't know. Because you are you're also we asking, they used to, the, uh, and whether it's, so this is just before I was running, but El Garouge, who was the greatest, uh, he still holds the world record. He always had a pacemaker in the final. So he had- Of championships? Yeah. So, so he would have a Moroccan teammate whose job it was to make the final with him. Wow, that's incredible. So I think his name is, is Adil, Adil, Adil Couch. Yeah, Pro probably, but you had to have someone in that country good enough. Is it illegal? I suppose if you, somebody wanted to sacrifice themselves for that, like yeah. it's, I don't think, but like per, part of me is kind of like, it nearly t adopts an approach like cycling has, I suppose, yeah. that you have a team yeah. then. Team that is just I don't know. It, I, for me, it kind of goes against for myself, the purity of like the, the sport. sport. Yeah. Yeah. I quite love that, especially at championships. Diamond leagues, we have pacemakers, but championship running, it's like every man for themselves. Yeah. And that's what's amazing about the championship running is it takes all, any chat about technology or 
faster tracks or whatever, like it doesn't matter because you're all there and you've all got to try and be the first person across the line. Imagine so the excitement as, is that. Imagine as well though, like if if your job is there to get into the final and pace it, you're not going to be that much. Like imagine if that was your job and then in the actual final, the person went, actually, I fancy a medal. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of yeah. imagine that's what happens the a bit more. But, but I would I'm, do I'm, that. I mean, I, don't, I, didn't, I wasn't privy to those conversations, but certainly watching that generation, like every major championships, um, Al Gruz would have had a, another Moroccan athlete who would go to the front, take it out, make it really hard and fast because Al Gruz liked it running the way I described how I would have yeah. preferred to run. That's a way of getting around potential tactics if you're the best runner but don't want to kind of exert yourself you don't want to be the one that jake's sitting on to sprint past yeah you don't don't, don't want to be getting shot at by the people behind you so you make someone else do it for you and then one day though that runner who's been running right in front just being the pacemaker for you for all those years just goes you know what this does my head in and just nails it and wins the gold oh yeah you kind of like to see that wouldn't you yeah Yeah. like quite often like people don't people probably underestimate it's so tough being that person leading it yeah yeah like the beat that person it nearly it doesn't make sense but it's more exhausting yeah. so um quite often that person isn't the person that wins so you've been listening to the running channel podcast thank you so much for new balance to bring us here to budapest and for jake and kira for sitting down with us it's been absolutely amazing and if you want to send in any questions please do send through podcast at the and where do you want us to go next let us know somewhere not as hot as this and yes. with easier travel <laughs> that's that would be amazing yeah thanks for listening bye <laughs> This episode was brought to you by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which has a focus on both comfort and endurance. So an ultra springy, responsive feel that protects your legs and keeps them feeling fresh, which is what Jess has been putting to the test as she's been training for over the last 12 weeks for taking on her ultimate ever 10K. And she's been focused on consistency. So being able to show up with those fresh legs every day and every week in order to put in the work and the recovery that she needs to do to run her best. If you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes.